0: Hi there listeners, welcome to episode 193 of Never on the Backfoot podcast. Now, RCB had a poor run in the inaugural edition of the Women's Premier League, as they are one of the two teams along with Gujarat Giants to be knocked out of the tournament. The Bengaluru-based franchisee won just two games out of their share of eight, managing to put up only four points on the board, much to everyone's disappointment, and they certainly have a lot of rethinking to do ahead of the next season. On the podcast to join us for a discussion on the same, we have Rishabh. Our in house guest and pakka RCB fan. He is an ardent cricket lover and a passionate follower of the game. He has worked as an intern on the sports desk of Times Network, a text commentator at Sportskeeda, a writer and the admin of the RCB fan club Namma Team RCB, besides interning at Deccan Herald. Without further ado, let's hop on to this discussion. Hi, Rushabh. Welcome back to Never of the Backfoot podcast. I know this is your second appearance in the month, but, uh, you know, we had so much expectations for RCB going in this season. And, you know, we had spoken so highly of the team and obviously, you know, things didn't uh, go as per plan. So it just felt right to have you back to, you know, objectively break down the season and everything uh, that happened as well. So just to kickstart our discussion, how disappointed were you with RCB season and how everything played out?
1: First of all, it's always great to be back. <laughs> Love doing this with you. Rhea. The context could have been better, obviously, but doesn't matter. And yeah, actually a really disappointing season. You know, the first very Women's Premier League and we lose five games in a row. That's not something ideal at all. And especially after the auction, you know, it seemed like we we looked like one of those teams that would be right at the top, you know, but it was a completely opposite scenario that you see. But amongst all the disappointment, if you look at the two games that we won, it actually shows what the side is actually capable of if they played to their true potential and abilities. So, that unfortunately came very late for us which was even more disappointing than losing five games in a row. I I wish it would have come a little earlier so we would have had a realistic chance of going through. Yeah, a lot of expectations didn't turn out that way. But there are things to take away as well. And I only feel they'll go strength to strength come the next season.
0: Absolutely. I mean, through our episode too, you know, we will be uh, talking about the things that didn't work out, some of the positives uh, that we can take away from the season. But if you had to, you know, objectively look at some of the things that didn't go our way, something that went wrong, if you could just briefly list out those things, we can, you know, carry forward our discussion as well.
1: I think first of all, the team actually you know struggled to get the right combination starting, and I don't think they could get the ideal eleven right. It took us some time to figure it out, and in such a short tournament like this, where you have just eight games, it's not a fourteen-game tournament, so you don't have that extra time or that little cut to you know find the right combination. You have to be bang on right from the start. Otherwise, we know what happened this time, and. I think the batting really did not click as a unit, you know. By and large, there were individual performances that were really good. But then, that's not good enough to win you a tournament or win you game take mm-hmm. you forward, right? So, one thing and the openers. I think Mandana and Sophie Devine is a lethal opening pair. But then, they didn't come off well together. Most often than not, they couldn't give us good starts which, you know, also put pressure on the rest of the batting unit that way. And I also feel the batters lacked a bit of application, if you see, because it was really getting tough for them to even bat 20 overs at one point. They couldn't really apply themselves well to the conditions, I feel. So, that's one thing that they'll really have to work on. And coming to the other side, the bowling also wasn't, you know, that up to the mark in the first four or five games, really. Because you have all these big names, but then they couldn't really... Come well together, you know. On paper, it was a really, really strong side, but it only—it's only actually good when they all come together as a unit. I feel we couldn't pick enough wickets at the right times. We couldn't put pressure on the batters really, and we couldn't tie them up. We were constantly leaking runs. So I think there were a lot of things that you know went uh, wrong this way and didn't come well together. Which if it would have then it would have been a good season for us.
0: Absolutely because even when you look at the auction now many people had this criticism that you know RCB really built on like a strong batting lineup and didn't focus that much on the bowling aspect and that obviously you know proved to be costly because we leaked so many runs we were not able to defend it so uh, what did you make of that criticism early on because you know if you have the batting that's that strong with the bowling not able to match up to it it's still you know there are teams which still succeed right but how did it not work for RCD?
1: I think this is something I touched upon in the beginning as well. Apart from Renuka, there is no well-known Indian mm-hmm. pacer in the side who, if she doesn't perform well, can straight away walk in and can deliver under pressure. So she really had a season to forget. We all know that. Mm-hmm. And not having someone else... Say, if you look at the men's team, there are there's Siraj and there's Harshal Patel, right? So you have two set of good Indian Mm -hmm. pacers. That's what was lacking here, I feel. There was no one whom you can really point out apart from Renuka in terms of the experience Mm -hmm. she brings. So, if at all there's a mini auction or something, you know, that happens ahead of the next season, something the management has to look into is to rope in some quality Indian medium pacers, I feel, who can form a core alongside Renuka. Yes, you have Megan Shoot, you have Mm Ellis Perry and all of that, but again, to win... These kind of tournaments, you need to have a strong local core. That is what you look at the Delhi Capitals, the men's team and here, same mm-hmm. with the women's team as well. Such a strong Indian core and you can see how well they're doing. So that is something I think RCB really lacked and they should look to do better at the next auctions.
0: Absolutely. And even when you look at the batters right now, they didn't uh, perform on a consistent basis. And as you rightly pointed out, Renuka Singh Thakur had an off-season. And even Megan should didn't quite deliver. In our earlier discussion too, we've spoken about how her stats are not that great uh, in India. And suddenly, it just felt like, you know, we had a shortage of, like, bowling resources and, you know, like, for RCB, I think bowling has always been a concern. And when you look at the men's team and now with the women's team too, we see this as a glaring concern. Your uncapped players are not able to deliver under pressure, right. right? So, what did you make of that observation?
1: I think it's a right thing that you pointed out that bowling was one of the major concerns because we've always had the batting and... Mm-hmm this season as well if you look at the men's uh, women's team sorry those really batting heavy and you saw the performances as well when they came together the couple of games that we did win yeah. the batting was came out really well even the uncapped players but again coming to the bowling renuka singh one of your prime indian pacers she doesn't deliver meghan shoot wasn't up to the expectations as well more often than not she was on the expensive side and she didn't leave quite an impact as someone like Ellis Perry did. Mm-hmm. Or even Heather Knight did, for that matter. So, when you have two top bowlers like that, in Megan Shoot and Renuka Singh, you really, really expect the bowling attack to rotate around them. Mm-hmm. Which really wasn't the case. So, I think that was a huge concern. And then, even though you have a lot of options, if your prime bowlers aren't doing well, then it looks all over the place like, okay, who do you go to now? Who can get you wickets under pressure? Who can get you breakthroughs if not for your lead bowlers? So that becomes a real concern. And I also feel the management of resources was one issue, mm-hmm. even in this concern, you know, not using someone like Sophie Devine properly. You saw when she got the ball, how well she had an impact with yeah. that as well. She was, I feel she was underutilized with the ball one as an option. And you have Dane Van Ninkirk sitting on the sidelines, you don't use her as well. Especially on wickets where you're playing in Mumbai on wickets that are assisting spinners, you see, you see the Mumbai team. Well, they have yeah. their leading wicket takers, Amelia Kerr and Saika Shark. So you look at them, both of them are in the top five leading wicket takers, and you have someone like Dane Van Ninkirk and you still sit her out. I think they could have really done better in managing the resources, particularly in terms of bowling, because it wasn't delivering at all. A lot of games, we've just failed to put that pressure really. So if you have the resources, why not try them out, is what I would tell
0: Absolutely. And the Daneva Van Neoka point is something we've been talking about so much as well. And I will uh, later also bring on in the episode. But, you know, because of uh, the lack of performances from expected people like Renuka Singh Thakur and Megan Shud, now your youngsters like Preeti Bose, Kanika Hooja, Asha Shobna, and Srianka Patel were good. But I think under massive pressure when they were finding it tough to, you know, get going. And the times they were introduced in the match was probably like not the most uh, ideal thing. And obviously, these are players you can't blame for RCB's uh, poor showings as well. So, what are your thoughts, you know, on going ahead? Will the management hopefully retain them and keep them in the scheme of things?
1: I think if you look at the men's team over the last three years, there hasn't been a lot of chopping and changing with Mm -hmm. the squad. So, And there's Mike Hessen and Malo and all of them here as well. So, in that... In those terms, I don't think there's going to be massive massive shuffling. And these guys have done really well. They've done nothing wrong to be put out. They don't deserve to be put out. And this is a really interesting point. You know, when your big guns don't perform as per expected, that is actually the time when all of these guys shine and come out. Mm -hmm. Say Mandana, Renuka and all would have performed how they're expected to. Then all of the limelight would have been on them. A lot of these guys' performances wouldn't have been as noticed as they were. So... That is one positive If you can really take out. Look at Kanu, Kanika Housa for that matter. Fantastic approach and intent. I really loved the intent, the fearless cricket that she played mm-hmm. at all times. She showed that she has it
0: in her to be there at that level. Asha Sobana as well. The limited opportunities that she got, she really made them
1: count. Shreyaka Patil as well, coming down the order, scoring such crucial runs Again, fearless cricket and the approach and intent. That she's not looking at the name of the bowler, but she's backing her skills Mm -hmm. and playing on the merit, which was something really great. And coming and bowling at the back end as well, for a youngster to show such composure under pressure with both the bat and ball. I think these guys, the under uncapped players, the youngsters have put up for the first season under, you know, playing with such big names and playing against big names as well. It's not easy. And they've really put up. noticeable performances and I think that's a really good sign for us going forward because now you have trust in the entire side it's not dependent on these big names because you know there are these guys who can deliver and who have delivered and looking at their performances it's if they're groomed rightly they're only going to get better. so I think that's a really huge uh, takeaway you know and I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be retained in the side going forward.
0: Absolutely. I mean, in the domestic circuit, they've made uh, the right noises. That's why they were selected. And this exposure has done them a world of good as well. So here's hoping the management, you know, which has the reputation of backing their players, continues to back them for at least another season before, you know, they take a knee-jerk reaction of dropping them. And, you know, now when you think of RCB, our first acquisition was Smriti Mandana, who's like your most expensive uh, sign in the history of the Women's Premier League. And, uh, you know, she did well. uh, with her captaincy. But still, there are some questionable things as well. And we, she kept her composure. That was, I think, one of the most important things, right? Because you're going to be under fire. You lose your first five games. And there's just so much pressure on you to come back stronger in the remaining three games. And, you know, we had to get our calculators out to see how things would work out. But what did you make of, you know, her captaincy and everything that transpired?
1: I think... There was a lot of pressure of expectation on Mandana even before the tournament started, simply because of the fact that it's RCV and you have such big players in your side. So you're definitely expected to do well. And as much as you deny it, there's always this external pressure that plays on your mind, especially in such a big tournament. It's the inaugural tournament, so you're expected, you're more expected to do well because people want to see you do well for the first time, right? And Smriti, I think she losing one, two, three games at the start is fine, but losing five in a row, I think it, you know, I think it definitely has a mental toll on you as a player and as a captain even more, because mm-hmm. you're the one who's accountable and answerable at the end of the day, right? So in some aspects, she looked really lost in her captaincy that way, say with the bowling changes or the batting order. For example, uh, the game where we lost by 11 runs, scoring 190 chase in that game. Had the way Heather Knight was hitting the ball that game, had Sri Lanka party been sent up, I'm sure we would have we would have had a fair chance or a better chance to yeah. win that game. So these these really small calls that matter, you know. And when are in the right frame of mind, you can make these calls. You can you can make good calls. But when you are not in a right frame of mind, these are the small calls that you know you make a mistake in and then it has a huge impact on the result of the game and the team as well. So, But even then, even after losing 5 games to come back and win 2 games, how they did and to keep everyone motivated in the side, I think the captain has a really big role to play. So, as much as we do criticise some of her calls and some of the on-field decisions that she made, where there is obviously room for improvement because I think we have to give her a bit of a cut because it's the first time that she's captaining a tournament like this and coming together in just two weeks' time, not knowing each other personally that way and then to have to gel and take the team along. It's, it's not that easy, but to keep the side together after losing five games in a row, it's very easy for you to lose your morale and mm-hmm. it could have easily been eight losses in a row because you're totally down. But... To show the spirit that she, that they showed, I think the captain has a important role to play to keep the side together, in unity even under such pressure and when things are not going right. So that way she she's done well behind the scenes and we have to give her credit for that as well because she's also human at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. So I think she I think there's a lot for her to learn. We have a really good support staff. We have a really good back end team. So she's only going to learn a lot. She's vice-captain of the Indian team as well. So, there's the experience that comes from there as well. So, I believe she is going to get better. And as much as the criticism is there and we can't deny it, obviously, but I think there were some, some moments where we have to appreciate her as well as far as the being a leader, not a captain, being a leader of a group and you know, keeping the side united is concerned that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's a young captain and when you look at the RCB team too, she is uh, surrounded by like a sea of uh, captains, you know, the form of Heather Knight, Eddie Sperry, Danny Van Neokurk.
1: So this point that you're making, you know, that she's surrounded by a lot of these guys who have captained their side as well. Sometimes that can work really well for you, but sometimes it can be like you have a lot of people and coming and telling you a lot of things. There's a lot of noise, Mm -hmm. like there's one person giving you A advice, one person giving you B advice, so there's a lot of things, so who do you listen to, what do you implement on the field, you have your own instincts as a captain, so that way somewhere at times it can get really difficult, you know, when there's too much, it can be, it can be on two extremes, either it could be mm-hmm. really good or it could, you know, have a, an effect on you where it could leave you confused as well, so I think that is probably something that would have happened as well, I mean, I haven't been inside, so I can't judge, but Probably something that could have happened when you have too much advice and too much mm-hmm. noise coming as well, that could also, you know, make you think, what do you have to do? Do you trust your own instinct as a captain or do you go with what people are telling you? Yeah. So that is that is also one of the aspect I feel.
0: I think that's a great point you bring because it can backfire and finding that middle ground is very difficult and this is just the inaugural season so we'll just give it to her that you know she tried her best to bring this uh, group together but even when you look at her uh, batting performance right it's been uh, quite poor like so scoring 149 runs in eight innings. Your highest score being just 37. Strike right. rate at, at 111. And the trend that we observed was her, you know, constant dismissal uh, to spinners, you know, just trying to attack, go on the front foot and then it's just like backfiring big time. So what did you make of uh, her batting and what was not working well? Because this is a new weakness that's come to light, right? With the whole uh, getting out to spinners. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, for someone like Smriti, you obviously have expectations from her because she's performed. She's a proven performer. She's a match winner. We know she can single-handedly win you the game on her day. But right, you, as you said, she was way below par as far as her batting was concerned in this tournament. And like you mentioned, if you look at her dismissals to the spinners, you know, she's going to loft the ball, looking to attack, looking to clear the 30-yard circle, but she wasn't able to find the middle of the bat at all. And two to three of her games were, you know, very similar dismissals, where you're looking from the out and you're like, why are you doing the same thing again and again, right? So, that is something that I think she could have strategized better because if you look at Sophie Divine, on the other hand, she was looking a lot more confident. So, mm-hmm. if you are, you know, you know, you're not getting that touch, you're not looking as confident, so probably you would have an understanding with the other batter that, I'm going to take some time here, so you could probably go, you could probably go attack and let me settle in, let me take some time because she was looking very uncomfortable that way as a batter and she was looking very indecisive in her short selections as well and I think one more thing that was really playing on her mind was the pressure of scoring Mm -hmm. because if you look at Sophie Devine on the other end, she was getting good starts. She was taking the bowling on. So, after one point, it also plays in your mind that I also have a responsibility to, you know, take on the bowling or go after them and try to score and not... Uh, when you've been out there for a long time, you've taken up a lot of deliveries. So, that pressure also, you know, plays on your mind, I think. Because after the top three, theres isn't a lot... Of batting behind. I mean, yeah. you have these youngsters who have proven well, but if you really, really want to put the opponent down, you need your top four or five to perform. And when that wasn't happening, I think it's the pressure that came on Mandana to score. Because you could see she wasn't batting freely. She wasn't playing her natural game. Yeah. You know, she was, like I told, she was looking very indecisive with her shot selection. And, Once that fear comes in to you as a batter Mm -hmm. and you don't play your natural game, then it's very difficult for you to get on top of the bowlers and even find the middle of the bat. So I think there was this confidence, self-confidence that was lacking within her as a batter is what I feel because of the pressure going around and the captaincy having an effect on her batting as well because losing five games in a row... You have a lot to think as a player, but a lot more to think as a captain as well. Mm -hmm. So, I think that is something that she'll have to learn to deal with so that it shouldn't affect her batting as such. She's got to learn to deal with those two aspects separately, you know. So, either of them do not affect her batting or her captaincy, so she can come out at her very best then.
0: Yeah, I mean, considering you know she's been uh, being groomed as uh, the future uh, captain of India to across formats, I think uh, stints sprints like this with captaincy will help us understand where she stands. So I hope you know the next season uh, we get to see something better there. And now, now that you know that you have players like Kaniga, Sriyanka, and all of these guys coming down who can perform.
1: I think the next season that should allow her to play with a lot more freedom because she doesn't have to take all the burden on herself that if I get out, there's no one to play behind. Because all of these players have shown faith and they've shown their skills that they can come from behind and score runs. So when that burden or that pressure is taken off, I feel she can can play her free game and the more she plays naturally, she plays her natural game, the more it will benefit her and the team as well
0: absolutely she's too good a player to be quiet for too long so we will see her uh, come back with that commanding performance in uh, the series ahead which hopefully oh, translates definitely. to uh, you know better performances in the wpl as well now we have spoken so much about sunithi mandana and renuka singh thakur too early on but uh when you look at renuka singh thakur's career trajectory right now in 2022 she played a lot of series abroad like the england series the australia series and she was brilliant but for some reason, she's not been able to translate that form to your Indian pitches, right? Uh, especially in the Women's Premier League, we saw she just picked up one wicket and, you know, she was leaking runs at 9.54. Uh, and obviously, her like poor performance meant that, you know, the pressure was falling on the other inexperienced bowlers as well. So, do you have any, like, recommendations on how she can, you know fine tune her skills to suit the indian conditions where she literally needs to perform the most and uh, overall observations
1: yeah as you rightly mentioned uh, if you look at her performances before the commonwealth games the sri lanka tour yeah. she was the leading wicket taker for india i think over there and then the commonwealth games as well so in you know, overseas conditions she did she was doing really well where there was you know support for the Pacers early on, there was something of the pitch that Mm -hmm. you can work on as a Pacer, but coming down to Indian conditions, she really disappointed and she wasn't, she wasn't able to replicate those performances, like you said, and with her being the senior Pacer in the side and not brings me back to my point of not having a well-known Indian Pacer or medium Pacer who can support you alongside. Even though there is Megan Shute, there's Alice Perry and all of them, but again, comes down to the Indian core. So not having someone alongside you like that can really, you know, put that extra burden on you. Yeah. And she comes with that reputation of picking up wickets. She's a genuine wicket taker. So when that doesn't happen, when you don't live up to the expectations, you sometimes yourself tend to really in under that pressure and She was also leaking a lot of runs. She wasn't able to, you know, contain the batters at all. So, I think she's really got to work on the areas that she was, you know, bowling on. A lot of loose deliveries, a lot of full tosses, if you look at, shows that she wasn't probably confident enough. And she was also a lot of in and out of the team after the first few games because of her inconsistent performance. So, when you know that you are the senior player in the side, you're a big name in the side and then you go in and out like this. It really plays with your confidence mentally that way. Because you know you have to deliver and the team has faith on you and they're backing you. But then when you're suddenly put out because there's so much competition, there are people sitting outside of the, of the pressure that you have to perform. I think she's she's someone who, you know, who can genuinely, really genuinely bowl those Yorkers that come in and mm-hmm. she's got to work on her game like what are the things she can do when the ball isn't swinging where there's no swing or there's no movement then what are the things that you can do as a bowler you she's got to develop she has she has decent pace she has a good action smooth action as well so she's got to develop a stock of these deliveries you know like say on Indian conditions you go for a bouncer, you go for a slower bouncer, you go for the back of the hand delivery, the slower ball, the yorker, especially in this kind of format, you need to have variations. If the ball isn't swinging, if there's no movement, if you aren't getting support, what do you do then? You can't become very predictable or very mediocre in that sense as a fast bowler. Right? So you need to have these variations in your armory. This is something that she's got to work on and she's got to develop in terms of adapting to different conditions and carrying out similar performances across various conditions. So, I think she's just started her career. She has a long yeah. way to go. She obviously has the potential. She's she's proved it as well. So, I think she is definitely going to work on this aspect and come back stronger in the next season.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, we've spoken so much about Smriti Mandana and, uh, you know, Renuka Singh Thakur. We could literally make a podcast episode just on that. But, uh, you know, another India international who we had so much expectations was Richa Ghosh, right? Now, she was decent, I think, behind this time, you know, as the wicket keeper. But she had a lot riding on her, you know, to come in and score those quick runs. But I think it was still a very dismal season. And you look at a player of her caliber, we just had so many uh, expectations too, right? So, what are your thoughts on her season? And, uh, you know, like, overall, were you convinced with the kind of performances she delivered?
1: Again, there's, you know, this uh, pressure of performing when you come in with a certain reputation into yeah. this kind of a tournament. Uh, going just a little behind her performances in the World Cup. So, now she's come in with that reputation of being a finisher, of being someone who can come down and score quick runs under pressure, you know. So, I think the one problem that happened with Richa over here was the constant shuffling of her batting mm-hmm. order. I think there wasn't enough role clarity in that sense that was probably given to her because she didn't have a fixed number that she would come out to bat on. I get it that according to the situation you might have to tune it up and down a bit. Mm -hmm. That's a different thing. But overall as well if you look I don't think she had a fixed batting order. Again that has to do with your top order not performing. These big guns failing to perform. So it all connects in uh, that way as well. And Then, you know, there's always this pressure, the number that she comes to bat on. There are all of these youngsters and uncapped players that you have to play with. So, that pressure plays on you as well that, you know, do you absolutely go all out Mm risk-free or you look to save your wicket and stay out there because, you know, there's not a lot coming you behind. In terms of handling pressure of, you know, batting in those crunch situations, you know, she's got to be out there. And probably consolidate, and then it gets a little difficult to take it forward. I think that's one thing that she's got to learn—that being out there in the middle, consolidating. Because if you look at the uh, that, if you look at the first game that we won by five wickets, she stood out there while uh, there was uh, Kanika, while Kanika was playing the way she was, and Richa, you know, she stood out there. And once Kanika was gone, then you saw her uh, going for those big shots as well. So yeah. when you get that confidence that there are people on your back as well, then you can take in your time and you can take. Uh, you can look to set in and then go big. But when you don't have that confidence, there's a lot of pressure on you that you're the one who's got to stay. You're the one who's got to attack as well. You've got to do both the things. So she's got to find a balance between that, I feel. And she's, she's still very young. Hmm. So obviously she has a lot of scope for improvement and given the kind of players she is with in the side, all of these big names, there's a lot to take away from them of how do you handle yourself under pressure, uh, under various conditions, under batting with people who aren't that much experienced and soaking in that pressure. So I also feel that with time she will come good, but these are these one or two factors of coming in with that reputation and then, you know, being expected to play according to that constantly, continuously throughout the tournament mm-hmm. is some that pressure that she'll have to learn to deal with and not let that affect her performances as such.
0: Absolutely, because she's again a young player. So, obviously, you know, we're going to be looking at a long career for her, but... I think somewhere, you know, she has to work on her fitness aspect as well. You know, the running between the wickets uh, can get concerning. And uh, even like, because she's a young player, I hope the management gives her that clarity. Hey, you're batting at number five or number six. Because the more you shuffle with it, they are themselves confused, right? As to what is uh, expected of them. So here's hoping that, you know, she too has a a strong comeback and, you know, has more uh, clarity going ahead as well. Uh, And now, you know, let's look at... uh, The matches that have happened, right? So, the first match was versus, uh, like, you're playing a solid unit like the Delhi Capitals, and we obviously had the worst possible start. We lost by 60 runs, and it was definitely not a good uh, run chase. So, what happened in that match? Do you want to break it down for us?
1: I think the very first game, if you get hit for, you know, 200-plus runs, and then you have to chase such a big total... It, uh, you know, kind of puts that, it puts a lot of pressure on you because you are expected to, you know, start well. And when that doesn't happen, being hit for 200 odd runs, when you have all of your big names going for mm. so many runs, the very first game, I think it it certainly puts a little dent to your confidence when you don't start well as you would have expected to. And getting to 160-odd in that game was a decent effort. It mm-hmm. wasn't bad, but it was just, you know, the pressure because you really had a mountain to chase, 220-odd something. Yeah, yeah. So that's a lot for you to, you know, chase. And then, like I told, the batting really didn't come together right from the start mm-hmm. because you had these performances in bits and pieces, you know, they, you didn't have if you look at the scorecard of that game there was not one long partnership in such long run chases i think you need a couple of good partnerships to really put you in a good situation and there was underutilization of the power play by the openers as well get a good start in those first six overs when you're chasing such a mammoth score it becomes really difficult for the ones coming behind you know to keep up with that rising run rate and so, I think those were the few things that didn't go right, right from the start. Getting partnerships as a batting unit and, you know, not being able to contain the side as a bowling unit as well. It went absolutely haywire the very first mm-hmm. game in both aspects. That why you can see the margin. 60 runs is a massive margin in a T20 game. And to, to have that kind of a defeat in your very first game, it it really puts a dent on your confidence. And more often than not, it's difficult to come out of such uh, situations. In a short tournament like this, where you don't have a lot of games, so you don't have a a lot of cut that way that you can afford to lose a few games, but you still have enough games to come back. Wasn't the case over here. So that's the pressure that's playing on you right from the start. And in such a scenario, if you don't start well, then things really tend to go south and that's what we saw with the team as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, besides it affecting the morale of the players, it certainly did affect even uh, the net run rate, right? We saw how uh, that also uh, took a massive beating. And in the second match right. too, we don't we didn't have that good of a run chase. But batting first, we had that opportunity, uh, you know, in the second match and we made a modest 5, and we saw how Mumbai, you know, chased it without uh, a lot of hiccups. So, what were your thoughts on uh, that outing?
1: Again, one point that I will come back to with the batting is your opening. You need your openers to, you know, set the tone when you're batting first. So if they can get to a good start, you can go on and capitalize and you can put up a good total on the board. It was a really good recovery for them to get to 150 Mm -hmm. at the end. But had the openers given them a good start, this 150 could easily have been 170-180. And when you get to that 170-180 mark, there's also, you know, it becomes a totally different mental game altogether. The difference of those 20 runs with 150 and, you know, 170, 180. And then Mumbai chased it down, say, inside 15 overs. So, that really showed your lack of ability to put pressure on the batters up front. You know, when you're defending such modest totals, you have to pick wickets up front. At least a couple of wickets in the power play and contain the side as well. So, that was expected of Renuka and Megan shoot, but really didn't. Happened, you know, they have that reputation of picking up wickets in the par play, but that didn't, didn't come out well. And when you don't pick up wickets in the par play, when you have such a modest total to defend, when you allow the opposition batters to get in to build that partnership and dominate you, then it definitely becomes a cakewalk for them after a point of time. And that's what happened. They comfortably got over the line, Mumbai. They just lost one wicket in the entire runches, yeah. and it never really looked like us as a bowling unit was in the game at all. It never really looked like we were in the game. So, I think right from the beginning, the bowling failed to come together as a unit, and the batting was really in bits and pieces, you know. Mm-hmm. The openers weren't quite doing their job that way. And after after the first 3-4 batters got out, there wasn't enough batting coming behind as well. Kanika Shreya, all of them towards the mid and the back end of the tournament, they really sort of came into their own. They performed well, but obviously they, as youngsters, are going to take some time mm-hmm. to settle in this kind of an environment because they're playing among they're playing among and against such big players in this kind of environment for the very first time. So, in such a situation at the start. You really need your senior players and your international players to come good. So, that gives confidence to these guys going forward as well. And if that doesn't happen, then you see how it translates into the results. They don't go your way.
0: Absolutely. Obviously, coming off uh, two defeats, and this is not great signs. And in the third match, uh, you know, we really saw the team come together. But we were still on the receiving, and we didn't make the most of our opportunities that we had. And this was the game that you earlier referenced, you know, one we lost by eleven runs. Right. Now, this was a very heartbreaking loss, but we still had so many things to take away. So, what were your thoughts on that match?
1: Yeah, uh, given the fact that we'd lost two games coming into this game. So, it would have really been, you know, a shift, a much-needed shift in momentum if we would have pulled off this chase and then probably our campaign would have been totally different, you know, because you just need that one game to, one good game to get you going. Like you saw, we won the first game, then we won two in a row. So, I think this game, again, like I mentioned, the few tactical errors that I felt was mm-hmm. with Heather Knight, given the way that she was, you know, batting in that chase, if she would have had sufficient support from the other end in the form of Sri who by then had shown her abilities with the bat, you know, that she can take on the bowling and she can also find those boundaries. Mm-hmm. It would have taken a lot of burden off Heather Knight as well. And I feel the two of them together could have Really pulled the chase off because if you look at the margin of defeat, it was just 11 runs that was mm-hmm. so close and yet so far. And at that point, it was, it would have been a really much needed win for the side at uh, that point. So I think, out of all the defeats, this was the one defeat where you look back and you think we should have and really could have pulled this game off and probably the scenario would have then been totally different
2: Actually. for
1: uh, the side, you know, because if you look at the scores, you know, Sophie Devine came good, Elisperry Perry came good in that game, Heather Knight unbeaten on 30 of just 11 deliveries and then you send Poonam Khemnar and Kanika and all of them mm-hmm. ahead of someone like Sri Lanka who scored 11 runs of four balls in that game. So, she was also striking really well. So, I think that that was a simple tactical error, I think, that cost us that ranches which I think we deserved to win. Should have been our game. Really should have been our game.
0: Yeah, I think in that entire campaign, you know, this is the one loss that really stings. And, uh, you know, focusing on our next match versus uh, UP, it was yet another reminder of how the team was not coming well. In spite of having those big names, you know, the team gelling well is super important. Now we got out for like 139 and losing that match was a big, uh, you know, like obstacle. And it was going to obviously uh, make... Qualification extremely complicated as well. But did you at that point think that you know we had completely lost plot and recovery was going to be difficult from that stage?
1: It was absolutely going to be difficult from that stage because, like I told you earlier, this is not a fourteen-game tournament. You yeah. know, where even if you lose five, six in a row, you still have an opportunity to come back. So when it's really short in that way, there's not a lot of room. For failure, right? So, when you lose one, you lose two, you lose three and it keeps going. You lose four in a row. It really dents your whole confidence as a side. It really makes you question your abilities as to what are you really doing and why are you not able to replicate what you are known for on the field. And once that self-doubt creeps in within the players and within the players as a team, Mm -hmm then I think it's really difficult to get yourself motivated and back on track because once the situation makes you question your abilities that way, it also hampers your thinking process and what you could have done better or what you should do better. So all of these factors really uh, play on the mind. Again, a batting failure in that game, 138, and UP chasing it down in 13 overs. So, it was an absolute one-sided defeat. If you say the game, the previous game against Gujarat, it was okay, even though we yeah. lost the game because we know we put in a fight and we know that we could have pulled it off. So, it shows you that you were almost there. But these kind of games where it's totally one-sided, where you haven't done well with the bat and neither could you do anything with the ball, it it really puts your morale down that way because it was... Again, an embarrassing defeat, so to say. And when you have already come with losing three games and you know that you don't have a lot of games left as well, so then it really doubles up the pressure. And when that happens, more often than not, it's very difficult for you to come back as a side under this kind of pressure.
0: Right. I mean, you know, four losses on the trot and now we were coming in uh, to this match versus Delhi with some renewed sense of confidence. Hey, maybe we can pull off a win. But now losing to Delhi again meant, you know, the final nail was inserted in the coffin, and uh, chances of, you know, qualification was close to impossible because we'd have to, you know, rely on external factors and other variables to uh, get going. And uh, most of us RCB fans had, you know, even dust off uh, (laughs) our calculators to see, you know, how this was going to (laughs) exactly, you know, just to see how this is all going to pan out. So was it another uh, disappointing loss, and that's when you decided, hey, I think qualification is out of our hands.
1: I think practically speaking, that loss made it really, really difficult of even having a realistic chance to make it through. Because like you said, then we'd have to win all our games. Then the margin, the net run rate, the other uh, results, all of it comes into play. So, you're not just looking at your game. You're also looking at all of these external factors like the run rate and what other teams are doing and all of that. And when you start looking at all of these other things of how it can go our way or what must happen Mm -hmm. for it to go our way, you kind of tend to lose focus on what you should actually be doing so that you don't have to depend on others because it does play an impact. Then you're thinking about qualification you are thinking about different scenarios about all of these variables, the run rate and the results and all of that. So there's too much that you're really thinking and you tend to lose focus of what you should be doing but then if you look at that game, again, average batting performance, 150 is what we scored. Again, could have mm. really been... one. Had it really been even 165, 160, 170, I think we'd have pulled off that game. We'd have made, it's about these little margins again. You know, The fact that we bought it down to the very final over against such a strong... Delhi batting lineup. Mm. I think that was the first time in all these six games that we could sit back and say like, hey, this was actually a really improved bowling performance. And that gave us some hope, you know, that they do have the potential. If you could drag the game to the 20th over against this famed Delhi batting lineup, then it shows that you do have the potential, but you weren't just able to get it right together. So, I think it was another game that we probably should have won. This and the Gujarat game. These two really close games. Had we won these two out of the first five and then we had Mm. two wins or three wins in the back three, four games, then I think we really could have qualified. But then again, it comes down to if, but, and could have, should have, and all of that. So ideally, it shouldn't be coming down
2: Mm.
1: to all of that. And I think these are those things that the team will look in the seasons to come.
0: Absolutely. So now pretty much at this point five losses uh, we had all you know thrown the towels and we had decided there's no way that this is going to work out but still uh, RCB sparked some, uh, you know, hopes and some revival with that first win. And that, although did, it it did come in the second uh, phase of the tournament versus UP, it was a dominant win and so much to be uh, proud of, you know. So, did this spark, you know, hopes of a comeback, possible uh, qualification and us, you know, looking at the NRR with more intent?
1: I think it definitely did. If you look at this win against UP, whereas it was a really... Good collective effort because first to restrict them to 135, yeah. that was a major leap that we took as a bowling unit. Mm-hmm. Where we are constantly giving away 200 runs and we're not able to put pressure at all. We aren't able to pick wickets and all of that. With all and five defeats and with so much going around, if you are able to restrict a side to 135, I think that was a massive, massive turnaround. And I believe we always had the batting to get over the line, probably should have, again, finished the game an over or two earlier Mm. is what I feel, but nonetheless, it was a much needed win and it was was still a comprehensive win to not take anything away. It was really still a comprehensive win and that really, you know, sparked hope that if we can win the remaining games and Mm. certain results go our way, looking at the run rate and all of that, we as RCB fans always unreal optimism, right? So, we always have these scenarios, these calculations that if we pull it off, if so and so happens, Mm -hmm. we can still, until the very last game, we still had calculations of how we can actually qualify. That's the level of faith, unreal faith that we have. But I think that was a win that was really needed to lift the side Mm -hmm. because keeping the qualifications apart at one side, even though... You may or may not have qualified. That's a different thing. But when you're coming with five losses
2: mm.
1: on the trot and you know that you're probably not going to make it through, at least if you can still pull these kind of performances, it gives you confidence going into the next season that you know what you can do. You know what your abilities are. It's just that you need a better planning, just little fine-tuning, and you know you need that little more of a hard work and then you know that you can be a lot better mm-hmm. side than you actually were. So in terms of doing good to the confidence of the team as a unit, that was a much much needed win. And given the fact that we did well in both the departments, mm-hmm. it was a, like I said, it was a really good all round game. So when you have this kind of a good all round game where you've dominated in both the aspects, it really lifts you up as a really lifts you up as a unit that way. So I think this was irrespective of the qualification scenario this was that was a much needed win for the longer prospect of the team's future and their belief in themselves
0: that's actually such a great point because you could see how snidi mandana in the you know post match conference seemed much more relieved you know the monkey was off the back she's smiling more and the it's team suddenly of yeah the team suddenly looked you know much happier and i think the qualification was probably like the last thing on their minds especially on that night and uh, I think it was at this stage, you know, the team suddenly looked like unstoppable. They got another win uh, versus Gujarat. And uh, like, how did you observe and, you know, make sense of that win? Were you still optimistic that we'd make it? Truth because we had to rely on one more outcome. But still, it was a great win, right?
1: It was a fantastic win the way uh, we pulled it off, you know, because given the fact that we were even struggling to bat 20 overs and the batting wasn't coming together and, Even when I was watching the game, even on commentary, it was like 189, a huge task. This is going to be a massive. And I was like, 180, 190 is not a big deal in T20 cricket at this time at all. But it it, it was made to look that way, given our performances coming into that game. So, the way we chased that game down, 15 and a half overs to chase 190 with eight wickets left. I think that was a phenomenal run. Chase. The way Sophie yeah. Divine really played in that game just shows how dangerous she can be. And if, like I said, if your top guns can go all out and the way she did in that game, then you know they are actual match winners. They can pull games off on their own. Mm-hmm. So, this is again something that really gives you confidence. and. It shows that you can really dominate as a side and when you know that you can dominate as a side is when you tend to do more well. And one more thing I think that really worked well for us, like when we lost five in a row and there's like really 50-50 chance of qualification. There's one way to look at it that it takes some pressure off you that
2: Mm.
1: you you know that you don't have a lot to lose or there's nothing to lose. And when you know that you have nothing to lose that way, it allows you to actually play with more freedom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: you know. So, that was reflected in the game as well. The way Sophie Divine really came out and she went all bonkers in that chase really. She was on her own. She really ruled that night. So, when there's that pressure off and you have that freedom that you know you have nothing to lose but only to gain, then I think it brings out a totally different aspect of your game. Which worked well for us to show us that we know what our abilities are and we know what we can do as a side. So then you know that you'll have to work on these aspects that didn't go right for you. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it was totally south. You know what you can do, so yeah. that gives you confidence that you know you have the ability. You just need to work and come back. So that takes a that that's one way of looking at it. If
2: you ask me.
0: Absolutely. And although these wins uh, certainly did, you know, uh, serve as morale uh, boosters, and we saw, you know, flashes of brilliance as well with these uh, performances. Now we needed one more result to go our way. And that was, you know, us defeating Mumbai and, uh, you know, ensuring that Gujarat uh, defeats UP. But both of them did happen. RCB lost to Mumbai, UP defeated Gujarat. And now qualifications are certainly out of bond, uh, like bounds and it was just not going to happen anyways. But I think ending the season on a high would have still uh, been special, right? Because Mumbai was going through a very weird phase in the second half of the tournament. We saw how they were just losing wickets left, right, centre and, you know, the matches were just coming really close and they were just pulling it off because, right. you know, the totals they were chasing were still, like, well within uh, control. So, what are your thoughts on that uh, RCB-Mumbai match? I think it's definitely important
1: for you to, you know, end the tournament on a high and particularly given a team like Mumbai, mm-hmm. who are absolutely dominating, they're right on top of the table, they're playing top cricket and mm-hmm. if you can beat that kind of a side, it really gives you all the more extra confidence that, you know, we have it in us to beat a top side and we are right among the top teams out there then. That would have been a big moral booster and it shows you that you can also defeat the bigger teams hmm. in the tournament. And if it would have been three wins in a row, it gives you confidence that, you know, if you can lose five, you know that you can also win five in a row. Mm-hmm. So, when you have that confidence, you still have that. It's all about having that confidence, really, you know. Then you still have faith in yourself. And it's always good to end on a high because when you look back, then you you can look back. You look back at the most recent results Mm-hmm. You'd look back for oh, three wins in a row, then you wouldn't look at the five, you wouldn't look much at the five losses. You would look at okay, we won three in a row, so we have it in us to you know make a habit. And once you get on a winning run, if you're on a losing run, once you get on a winning run, you can also keep the winning run mm-hmm. going that way. So that would have been a really nice thing to end the tournament on a hike for the team, for the players, and for us fans as well. Unfortunately, that. Uh, didn't happen, but it's, I mean, there's a lot to take away, a lot of positives. Like I spoke earlier to take away as well. There is the fair share of criticism as well, but then there are a lot of things to take back. And this could have been one thing to take back if you would have, you know, ended it on a high that
0: way. Absolutely, there are still some positives that we will look on later on in the episode, too. But, uh, I think one of the baffling decisions that we both can agree on was how Danny Van Nierkirk did not get any game time, right? Now, this is a decision that I think, even I have not been able to come to terms with as yet, and I'm pretty sure you haven't too, and a lot of RCB fans haven't. So what did you make of, you know, her sitting out for almost all of the games? What was the mindset behind that? And considering they went... You know, for her in the auctions, and she had no expectations of being picked. But then, when she got picked, I think there would have been an inkling, you know, ki hey, I'm I might get some game time. But the management just didn't give her that. So, what did you make of it, and what could be the mindset?
1: I think when you have someone of the quality of Dan Van Aker in your dugout, she really mm-hmm. should have gotten at least a couple of games. Probably not in the initial half of the tournament. But once when you've lost four or five games mm. and you know there's probably not a practical chance of you making through, then I think... And it's not like you are taking an absolute uh, risk or something mm. with trying her hard. Because she's a prone performer. Proven performer at the international level. right? And then if you look at the conditions as well, like I already spoke to you about, you look at the top two wicket-takers for Mumbai, both of them are spinners. So... And we did not have... I think apart from Asha Shobana later on, we did mm-hmm. not have that wrist spinner in your side. And when you have Dane Manninger, you can contribute again both with the bat and ball. Yeah. Then I, I really feel that she should have been played. But again, I think from the management point of view, the mindset here and probably not playing her is Renuka was really out of form with the ball. So then if you're looking to drop, say, a Megan shoot, mm-hmm. you're... And you're bringing in a spinner, then your fast bowling attack looks really incomplete and lackluster then. Mm -hmm. Because Renuka wasn't doing well. If Renuka was doing well, they could have probably looked to drop shoot and bring in a spinner in her place. But I think that aspect of combination was something that really played out in her not making it to the 11 and sitting out. Because again, you couldn't drop Sophie Devine, you couldn't drop Elise Perry. And Heather, because all three of them were doing well and pretty consistently well. So I think it's also sometimes you get spoiled for choice. Mm. That has been the case with the men's team as well. You have a good overseas uh, core with you, but then you're spoiled for choice as to whom you play or whom you don't play. And when things don't go, particularly don't go your way, it becomes all the more difficult. But I think that was one place where they could have been a lot bolder in uh, decision making because... She's someone who has all the experience that you need. So, I don't think it would have been a risk of bringing her in and keeping her out, out just because you were worried whether she would fit into the combination right or not. Anyways, things weren't going right for you. So, why not
2: Yeah,
1: her out for a game or two, probably? And she was someone who, you know, being dropped from the T20 World Cup squad, hmm. she would be coming in with a lot of, things going on within herself and I really feel she would have had that zest to perform, you know, to make a statement that I still have it in myself and dropping me wasn't a fair call. So, when a player is coming in from that kind of situation, they have a lot of things to prove. They want to make a statement for themselves is probably when it can bring out the best within you. So, that way I feel she was really, really underutilized, really underutilized of not being given even a single game.
0: You know, considering Megan Short had such an off-season this time around, like, probably you could have brought her in, like, the second half, you know, given her the couple right. of games. It deepens your uh, bat and gives you that extra bowling option. This is one decision I think, you know, it'll never make sense. But I hope, you know, going ahead, they do retain her and, you know, give her game time or just release her. Let her play for any other franchise, you know, because such a good uh, player, so much caliber, you know, yeah. just sitting it in out bobbing making... the benches. yeah.
1: Exactly. If you aren't making her play let her go and play for some other franchise because it's really a waste of her talent and it's not fair to her that way.
0: Right. And when you look at the canvas of your overseas players too, right, you have Sophie Devine, Heather Knight and Elise Perry. Now, these are proven match winners. They delivered when the team most needed them to as well through the season. Now, these were our best overseas picks and I think you will also agree. But then Erin Burns and Megan Shoot, like Erin Burns just got one game. So it's too, uh, it's very small a sample size to, you know, make sense of her performance. But Megan Shoot is coming in and out. So what did you make of, you know, the performances of our overseas stars?
1: I think Sophie Divine, Heather Knight and Ellie Perry were literally the core that was carrying us throughout the tournament. If we even have these couple of wins, large credit goes to three of Mm. these guys, to be very fair. I think Sophie Divine, you know, the problem with her was she was really getting starts but she wasn't able to convert them and when she did, you know, you saw the game against Gujarat House. she went all guns blazing. I think the one thing that you know, had played on her mind or would have put pressure on her was Smriti not going on the other end because then there's that pressure that you have to take the attack to the bowlers but you also have to stay there because you know Smriti is not doing well. If Smriti was probably doing well and she was playing her natural game as well it would have taken a lot of pressure off Sophie Divine, and those starts that she was getting would have been converted into you know, bigger scores because she would have had that freedom to take some time for herself. If you look at Sophie's dismissals, a lot of her dismissals were her going for the big shots mm-hmm. and getting out because there was always the scoreboard pressure because there wasn't enough coming from the other end. But despite that, you can't discount the fact that she's a leading run scorer. So... She, she is the kind of batter that kind of par-hitter you need at the top who can dominate bowlers and you know really put pressure up front on the opposition and whenever she got the chance with the ball as well she made it count mm-hmm. again i feel sophie divine was underutilized with the ball that could have been something that uh, you know could have been worked out better and heather knight as well heather knight uh, uh, the just her ability to come out under pressure and score mm-hmm. That game where uh, uh, she scored, you know, just 30 orderants of eleven deliveries. The 190 ninety-wala chase where yeah, yeah. we really should have, uh, you know, won that game. So, it shows you what she can do. It's just that if she'd have had enough support, she could have come out a lot better as well. And she was someone who contributed with the ball as well. All three of these guys, like I had spoken in the show after the auction as well, that these are the three guys who can, you know, really... Perform with the ball and with the bat, and they pretty much did to a large extent. I think Elise Perry was the most consistent performer for us with both the bat and ball. She scored runs in crucial situations, really, when you know you've lost wickets up, up front. There's a pressure on you to score in the middle because if you look at RCB's batting, the middle phase was one where they really struggled. They mm-hmm. were scoring runs at the back end. And when the openers got going, when Sophie got going, they were scoring runs in the par play as well. But it was the middle phase where they really struggled to score. And in that phase, Ellisberry was one standout player who you know really performed consistently well with the bat. And again, she delivered with the ball as well. I think she's she did she did fairly well with the new ball and in between as well. And Ellis Perry, someone in the last few years who's not been bowling total mm-hmm. 4 overs for Australia in the international circuit in T20 if you look at it. But then more often than not, she delivered three, four, three, four 4 overs over here. So, there was that pressure on her as well coming back from injury. But I think she dealt with it really well to put out the performances that she did. Coming to Erin Burns, you know, in opinion, I feel it should have been Dan Van Nieker getting mm-hmm. the cut ahead of Erin Burns.
2: Yeah.
1: Could have bought a lot more value than Erin Burns could have bought. To simply put it that way,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, Megan Shoot was someone who came in with a lot of expectations as well. She was supposed to be our lead foreign placer because I told you Ellie Perry wasn't bowling her full quota of overs for Australia. But then there was pressure, and she was expected to more often than not bowl her full quota of overs here. So it was rather Ellie Perry who was our, uh, you know, lead. Of the pace mm. attack, rather than Megan Shoot being that Megan should perform well in glimpses, you know, but she couldn't uh, consistently perform well, and that was again one of the factors that really hit or uh, hurt the side because she was the one who was expected to give you those early breakthroughs mm. and bowl well at the death as well because she's known for doing that. So when your top players can't you know, really stand out to what they're expected to do, that is. Uh, the results more often than not. Uh, I think one thing that Megan should have to look at improving her game is adapting to these conditions because she came in with a fantastic performance in the T20 World Cup. She was a leading wicket taker. So if she couldn't replicate that in these conditions, then that is something that is expected of you, especially if you're a le- player of her level. To yeah. be able to adapt to different conditions there's no uh, excuse for you that way mm-hmm. if you are playing if you have been playing at the international level for such long time and given the reputation that you have i think that is something that she will really have to work on but then again it's a really value added addition you know because you saw her uh, her uh, contributing with the bat as well megan shoot so that gives you confidence when you have someone In your bowling as well, you can come and score Mm you those crucial runs at times when needed at the back end. So, this is just one aspect of adapting to the conditions that she will have to work on. And I believe the kind of player that she is, the kind of structure that she has, she will definitely come through.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, through this this episode, we have a critique RCB and the kind of uh, season they have had. And, you know, not being able to get that playing 11 right or a bunch of other things also, you know, Backfire and will obviously leave us RCB fans really sad. But there are still some positives that RCB can, you know, take from this season going ahead. And you know, if we look to invest in more players or retain this score, there's still so much to look at, right? So, uh, what are some immediate pointers that's coming to your mind?
1: I think as we've been talking right throughout uh, this discussion, there's always positives that you have yeah. to think of because if you have the disappointments. you do have positives as well. There's both the aspects that are all... Mm. I think the biggest, most biggest positives for RCB from this season is the performances of the uncapped players. The likes of Asha Sobana, Kanika Ahuja and Shreyanka Patil as well. I think these are the biggest talents that we have unearthed, not just for the IPL, but if you... Look at it in a long-term prospect. These are the guys who can go on and represent India as well. Mm -hmm. Because if in their very first season under this pressure, playing under a big crowd, I mean, playing in front of a big crowd, playing amongst such big names and against big names, if you Mm -hmm. can show this kind of composure and if you can put the performances that they did, the fearless approach and the the intent and approach that I spoke about, especially and Shrianka, the intent that they showed, the fearless approach that they showed, playing on the merit is something that is you know, really phenomenal and commendable for uh, these kind of players who don't have that kind of experience of playing at this bigger level. So that is a major, major takeaway.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And another takeaway is your foreign players, like we just spoke about previously, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sophie Divine, Heather and Ellis Perry, all of them more often than not, rather consistently coming good have your big names performing that way i think that is also a major major takeaway and just the fact that they could pull themselves because when you lose five in a row it very like i told you it becomes very easy for you to make it a habit and uh, you know uh, get that moral down and it could have very easily been eight in a row eight mm-hmm. losses in a row as well but to come back and win two games after those five defeats, it really shows that you have that character in you as a side. And it's really important for you to show that character at, at this stage. Yeah, And it shows you that you do have the ability. So, it allows you to assess more better where we went wrong and where we couldn't do things right. If it would have been eight losses in a row, it wouldn't have given us that opportunity to look at we won these two games. So, what did we do right that we won this? And what did we do wrong that we could not win these many games. So, it allows you to, you know, uh, give a better insight or analyze yourself better Mm. to see what you could have done and what you should have done better that way. So, these are a few really positives that you can take away from
2: this season.
0: Right. I mean, you know, looking at things in retrospect uh, does bring in mixed feelings. It gives you the chance to, know, look back at stuff that… Uh, didn't work your way but also gives you the chance to look at things that did work and hopefully you know the RCB management can look at these positives and work with it uh, going ahead so we can probably see better performances in our uh, future seasons as well and you know this is I think the one answer where we were like very positive and we could see <laughs> some energy and optimism uh, coming through so I hope you know that really uh, stands the test of time and we see a better showing in the next season and uh Now we come to our very exciting uh, rapid-fire round. So, are you ready? Totally. (laughs) Okay. So, what do you think was our uh, best performance as a team? Like, a particular match that's coming to mind?
1: I think for me, the best performance has to be the game against UP. The first win. And uh, the reason I already told you because it was a game where we did well with both the back and the ball. The Gujarat game was a fantastic win. No doubt. But if you look at this game coming back on the back of five defeats and mm-hmm. then you do well with both the bat and the ball to first restrict them and then comfortably, rather comfortably chase it down. It was yeah. a good yeah. all-round comprehensive win. So, that for me has to be the best performance. All-round performance of the team.
0: Absolutely. And uh, according to you, the best knock?
1: Has to be Sophie Divine's blistering 99 unbelievable knock of just 36, 36 deliveries mm-hmm. because i'll tell you what made that knock really special we know the ability that sophie devine has we know she can go big and she can score yeah. the way she did but uh coming under that pressure where we still had a little hope of qualification so keeping that uh run rate in mind where you have to chase it down in 15 overs she looked like a woman on a mission on that night absolutely she really killed it she showed what it is to dominate bowlers what mm-hmm. is it it is like to be on your absolute best and even if you look at her dismissal she could have easily tapped it away for a single she could have go oh, first 100 of wpl mm-hmm. she could have gone for the record but she was still looking to hit the ball and you know go for the big shot so that shows the kind of character she has as a player that when you know you're hitting the ball well, when you know you're to you try to keep that going. So that benefit shows how selfless that knock was with all the limelight that it had. It shows you the kind of mindset that she had. So that is something that's really heartwarming. And that was a phenomenal knock in all these terms.
0: Absolutely. And what was the one bowling performance that really stood out for you?
1: I think it was Elise Perry's 3 for 16 that really stood out for me. I guess she picked up a couple of wickets in a single over Mm. and that really shows the ability that she has to, you know… Elise Perry is a genuine wicket-taker. Like I just told you, she wasn't bowling her complete coat of overs for Australia and uh, coming back from injury. Particularly, you being a fast bowler, it's never easy coming back from injury because you have to put in those hard, yeah. You need to make sure your actions right. You need to get your rhythm right. You need to get your line and lengths right. So, there's a lot of things that you have to work on as a fast bowler. So, for her to put up that kind of a performance, I think it was really, really great to watch. And, uh, me, myself, uh, of whatever little cricket that I've played, <laughs> fast bowler, it was really heartwarming for me to watch that performance from her. So, personally, that was the best bowling performance, if you ask me.
0: Absolutely. And who do you think was like the best overseas player and best uncapped player? I know this is tricky because we have like a bunch of players, but your picks?
1: Uh, the top, I think the best uncapped player for me, there's a tussle between Kanika and Sri Lanka. I cannot like literally choose between both of them because both of them showed that approach and intent of playing under pressure and difficult situations. You know, Sri Lanka coming down and scoring those mm-hmm. crucial runs, showing that she can get going right from the start and then bowling those crucial overs as well and showing that she has a uh, ability to pick wickets and Kanika again scoring those crucial runs under pressure, playing the bowlers on the merit, you know, taking them on with someone like Luncha Gosh being there, a senior player, it was still her who was, you know, dominating the bowlers in that uh, in that one match winning innings that she played really. So that just shows their composure and the skill set that they have. So these two have to be the Two picks for the best uncapped
0: players for me. Fair enough. And uh, that does conclude our uh, rapid-fire round. And before we draw curtains, you know, on our episode, do you have, like, you know, words of motivation for our girls or even a message, you know, for all the fans who have been trolling RCB left, right, centre, which kind of seems, un- like, uncalled for, right? So, how do you look at it?
1: I think it's really proud for us, first of all, as RCB fans to have a women's team. Because uh, not a lot of these uh, big franchises even have teams to start off with. Mm. So it's really good given the fact that we have a women's team and we have such uh, good players in our ranks, not just the international or the foreign players, but also the domestic players. Yes, the team hasn't been able to perform well. They didn't make it to the playoffs. There's a lot of criticism and trolling and all of that. Mm. But the larger picture that we really need to look over here is the opportunity that it simply presents to these uncapped players, such a huge learning opportunity for them to share the dressing room with some of the legends and also to be playing against these top players. Mm-hmm. That's a really positive aspect, not just for RCB going ahead, but also for, in, for the Indian women's team, if you look at it. And like I've been telling you throughout this episode, even though we couldn't, we found it difficult to, you know, pull our performances together as a unit, Mm. the two wins and the way we came back after five losses in a row really shows that we have that character and we have that ability to come good as a unit. So I think it's only going to be a matter of time that they you know, work on their skills and work on their strategies and come back stronger in the next season. And uh, what glimpses of good performances we saw Mm. in this season, I'm very positive that they are going to be consistent good performances in the next season and they're going to do a lot, lot better.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, uh, as RCB fans, we are eternal optimists. So, we would expect nothing uh, short, you know, from our uh, girls. And even the men's team, we, we have an upcoming IPL, which is uh, going to be quite exciting. But yeah, I mean, this season did uh, present a set of challenges and I'm sure, you know, the girls would want to uh, learn the most from it and come back uh, stronger and uh, on that note i'd like to draw curtains on this very lengthy yet insightful uh, discussion thank you so much risham you know for once again joining me on the podcast your second appearance just in this month and you know for sharing some really remarkable insights like every time you talk you articulate so when well. you come in with such brilliant uh, ideas and the way you look at it and your perspectives are just simply fascinating and here's hoping you know i can have you back on the podcast. You're And you're always welcome on the podcast as an in-house guest. And until next time, stay safe and take care.
1: It's a real uh, pleasure to be back here. And it always feels really good to have these discussions with you. Uh, Just the fact that how you structure the conversation as well allows me to, you know, put in my perspective. So that's something that you should be getting credit for as well. In my honest opinion, it just makes it all the more nice and interesting for you to come out and talk, you know, so that's something I really enjoy and look forward to. And hopefully I'll be back soon again, because I really love being here. It's one space that I love being and where I can put out my perspectives it gives me that platform. So nothing, It, it it's really, uh, you know, really nice to have that platform and to have a host like you. It's it's an absolute honor and I definitely look forward to coming back more often. And Absolutely. yeah, it's been it's been another good episode.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Cheers Rishan. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning into this episode and for your unstinted support. Please follow and press the bell icon on Spotify and subscribe to the podcast on Google Podcasts for the latest episode updates and stay tuned. Do check out Backfoot on Instagram and atthereadneverinthebackone on Twitter for the latest facts, terminology, retweets, read, fresh tweets and a lot more that's coming up this cricket season just for you. The podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Overcast and a lot of other platforms. So please do spread the word. Until next time, stay safe and take care listeners. Bye for now.